Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 6, 2020, including the Coalition head Rod Ferguson is leaving the Gears of War developer. Rockstar Games co-founder Dan Hauser has left the famed GTA studio. We might have a better understanding of what that mystery port behind the Xbox Series X is and more. start this week with a little bit of a behind the scenes on how how the uh, cake is made how we how we do xbox on back here at the studio so for those of you that don't know which is all of you i do this show i record it every wednesday night so that i can give myself as much time as possible to get all the major news stories this way you know i i guess well let me back up what i should say is the show goes up every single thursday morning and i don't know if anyone notices that because I don't, I don't publicize it. I don't like make it a thing. But this show goes up every Thursday by 9 a.m. East Coast time. Because to me, that's just like, I think it's like totally critical that you're super consistent with your podcast, that you always have it out on a weekly basis at a certain time, you know, so that people who start listening to your show regularly can rely on, you know, they can know this day, this time, that's when this show is out. And I think, I think it's good for people who like to listen to a show regularly. That is, you know, assuming it's like a news related podcast, a podcast that kind of depends on, you know, being timely as the show is, of course, because we talk about news. Regardless, every week I give myself all that, like that extra time by staying up really late Wednesday, Wednesday to record, edit and upload the entire thing to get ready for Thursday morning. So I can give myself down to the last second in case any big news stories hit. And this is a perfect example of why I should, should keep doing that. Because, oh my God, this was such a slow news week. I had the entire script written by the end of Tuesday, yesterday. And I was like, wow, this is a really shitty news week. I'm going to have to do like a lot of like expounding on small stories or just find ways to make the show interesting because there's just not anything happening in the news. And then today came and like as I come home from work ready to like record the show for the week, oh my God, and the flood of new news happened. So it's actually kind of a busy week news wise. So um, definitely some interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, aside from that, I think we're going to skip this week's comments, shout outs and all that good stuff because there weren't any really thought provoking questions. Just a couple of weird little remarks or comments or whatever. Thanks to all of you who did comment. I see a couple new names or a new name that uh, commented. I do appreciate you taking the time to uh, respond to something in the show, even if it, you are kind of picking on me or, or making a, a mean comment. It's okay. I, I'm thick skin. You can pick on me all you want, fuckface. But anyway, thank you for for real. Thank you for um, commenting on the show. Other than that, you know, just as a reminder, don't be shy. Reply for future weeks. But this week, we're going to skip over that so we can get into the news faster. Of course, you know, nothing happening in the world of Xbox could be half as important as, of course, what I've been eating. And so this week, let me take a minute to tell you about the all new Buffalo chicken, uh, nacho fries, burrito over at the Taco Bell. I had one of those tonight on my way home and goddamn was it good. It's probably the most Del Taco menu item I've ever seen at a Taco Bell. It's just very potatoey and starchy. And I guess, I guess potatoes and burritos isn't totally new for Taco Bell, but it just felt like a Del Taco kind of thing with a pico de gallo and French fries and sour cream and all that shit thrown into a just shoved into a burrito and very, very good. For those of you who aren't Taco Bell enthusiasts, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. I know I know Taco Bell gets a bad rap. People are like, oh, well, they inject their, their food with, you know, meat that comes from these little tubes and everything. It's like, dude, what are you having against efficiency? That's just that's just the most efficient way to get your food made. Do you want to sit there in the drive-thru waiting for 20 minutes while some fucking savant sits in there grilling your chicken to perfection because you just have to have your Taco Bell the right way at 2 a.m. when you're drunk? No. If someone's going to feed you chicken from a tube and that's going to make your taco go from something that takes five minutes to make to something that makes 20 seconds to make then you fucking thank your lucky stars that that chicken tube exists because that is that is the thing that that is the thing that separates you from that taco and if it can get you there that much faster then well i just think the people over at taco bell are goddamn geniuses and so shout out to them shout out to that burrito excellent excellent little dish there but yeah that's what i've been eating and then of course we'll gloss over what i've been playing before we get into this loaded news week so this week i know i said i was gonna get back into gaming a lot this week but i fell on some weird rabbit hole with my free time this week where i was like i used to watch anime and i don't watch anime anymore and I, to to clarify i never was one of those 
weeby ass Naruto fucks. I I I don't like the anime that's all about little boys getting strong and in in uh, shitting on women and talking about how they're pathetic and they need to be more like men. And then there's like seven episode arcs about men like just standing in a battle discussing how how they they desire to become stronger. That's not the that's not what I mean. I mean like you know like animated Japanese films. So. Uh, of course, like your your studio Ghibli films and everything that that everyone loves. Um, but yeah, this 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 past week I, I watched uh, Your Name and then the director I forget his name escapes me now, but his follow up movie that just came out, Weathering with You, and I just found that on this little like rabbit hole of like sometimes anime can be good and these two movies were perfect examples of that. So I ended up just watching a bunch of anime with my free time and kind of catching up on when I was more into Japanese media. Aside from that, I did play a little more Mass Effect, but really not enough to really say anything about it. And then aside from that, I'm actually really getting excited and ramping up here for the Fantasy Star Online 2 beta, which is totally Xbox related because, yeah, that that's obviously um, a popular MMORPG coming from Japan that's finally coming to the West, but only on Xbox, or at least for now. Um, it'll be on PC as well. It'll be Xbox and PC. They're, they're doing like a weekend beta this week that you had to be, you had to sign up for it through the Xbox uh, Insider app, which I did months ago. And then they're going to do more like open beta next month. And then I think the full game's out in April. But I'm super excited to play that just as a fan of. The Fantasy Star aesthetic, although I've never played too much of the franchise, I've tried a handful of times to play the Genesis ones. A huge fan of the Sega Dreamcast, which is where Fantasy Star Online really got its its footing with the original game. Huge fan of Xbox, which just has like OG Xbox, which just in a way is kind of like the Sega Dreamcast Part Two. Uh, I feel like that doesn't. I feel like this is a conversation in Xbox history that doesn't get brought up nearly enough. Is how the original Xbox, in a lot of ways, was like the the spiritual successor to Sega on you know Sega making hardware. The original Xbox. There was a lot of partnership between Microsoft and Sega. In fact, there was a lot of partnership between Microsoft and Sega, even in the Dreamcast days. I mean, they had Windows running on Sega Dreamcast. You could do that. But, you know, just aside from that, I don't know. Fantasy Star is one of those franchises that means a lot to me because it's like this weird cross-section of like Sega and Microsoft, which are like two console brands that I love so very much. I, I don't know why I've gotten so weird. Like I grew up mostly playing PlayStation and Nintendo. And the older and older I get, the more into like Sega and Xbox I get, which is just so odd because those aren't the two things I was really raised on in terms of video game platforms. But nonetheless, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Fantasy Star Online 2. Chances are I'll probably get like 45 minutes into the beta and realize I don't want to play this weeby ass shit. But until then, I'm just I'm excited. I think I might be into it. I'm hoping I'll enjoy it. And it's uh, for those of you who haven't, I don't know if it might not be too late. You can probably still sign up. You got to go on the Xbox Insider app, sign up for the beta, and then you can download it now. But the beta is only like Friday and Saturday. It's like a really limited time closed beta. But I'm looking forward to playing that. That I'm planning on doing all weekend, finally getting some good video game time in. And then aside from that, I'm planning on jumping into um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, because although, you know, next on my list was Hellblade, I've decided that I'm actually going to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider first, and that's something we'll get into actually kind of at the end of the news cycle. There's a reason for that, so hang on. Hang on there if you're waiting in suspense to learn why I'm going to play Tomb Raider next. But uh, with that said, let's just jump right into the news, this loaded news week we have. Okay, so normally I start out with a couple of like ancillary, like not so news news stories, but I've decided to actually push those down to like the end of the news segment rather than to start out the news segment with that because I figure obviously the point of the show is to talk about the biggest stories in Xbox. Uh, the biggest stories going on in Xbox for the week. So why do I keep coming up with segments that kind of bog down when we get to the big stuff? I don't want to, you know, I, I don't. I want to be a good girl, you know. I want to tease you just right. I don't want to tease you too long. I don't want to piss you off, you know. I I I don't want to toe that line of like he's teasing me too much. Fuck this guy. I'm gonna move on to the next podcast. So as I'm doing right now by by stalling for time, I, I plan on reducing that at least in the earlier half of the show so that we can get to the news sooner. So without further ado, let's just jump into our first big story and boy is it a big one so this this one actually just kind of hit me like a brick because this I literally saw this like right before I hit record I was like holy shit this this story broke just a few hours ago so I'm just I just now read through it and put in the in in the show notes and I'm like holy crap I can't this is just one of those ones that I, I'm still processing it right now as as I speak but here we go I mean direct directly from IGN the story reads it's just short and sweet Rod Ferguson uh, the Gears 5 director and the head of Microsoft's the Coalition Studio announced that he is leaving the company to join Blizzard in March 
Ferguson says that he will be overseeing the Diablo franchise in his new role. He said, quote, in, on his Twitter account, starting in March, I will join Blizzard to oversee the Diablo franchise, leaving his bittersweet as I love our Gears family, the fans, and everyone at the Coalition and Xbox, end quote. Ferguson began working on games in 1996 at Microsoft. In 2005, he joined Epic Games as part of the development team of Gears of War. He worked at some capacity on every Gears of War game, including when Microsoft acquired the Gears of War franchise from Epic and started the Coalition Studio. Ferguson last served as director on Gears 5, which obviously just came out. Uh, Blizzard recently announced Diablo 4 at BlizzCon, although because Diablo 4 is already in development, it is unclear how Ferguson's arrival might impact that project. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And that's just directly from IGN. So holy, holy shit, this is a huge one. And this one just kind of really hits me because leading up to Gears 5 release, I, you know, I follow Rod Ferguson on Twitter. Um, he's just always... He's always talking about Gears of War. He's always tweeting stuff out about like how passionate he is about the universe and the world and the games. And, you know, I listened to him like he's been on IGN's podcast Unlocked, their Xbox podcast a handful of times. He just seems like he's the kind of guy like, I don't know, when you hear a story about forming the coalition and sticking with Microsoft to do Gears of War and leaving Epic, you know, during the early Fortnite um development days to continue doing gears of war it just seemed like he was like i don't know his story just seems like one where he was like hey this is the franchise i love this is the game i want to continue to make i don't like this is like my thing you know i don't want to get away from this i don't want this to end and so just it just seemed like he was so far and away the right man for gears of war and, and the right man to continue working on this and to know that you know according of course if you've played gears 5 to know that gear 6 is going to be you know such a big uh, I don't know if they're doing exactly a trilogy, but it's going to be such a big follow-up or maybe conclusion to this new Gears 4, Gears 5 universe they've built. It's just so weird for him to leave at such an important time, you know, right before, you know, we really get into the development of Gears 6. So I just, I don't know, this one just blows my mind. I can't imagine him leaving. It just seemed like, it just seemed like such a given that he was, he he loved Gears of War. It was the franchise he wanted to work on indefinitely and that this was, you know, this was his baby. He kind of took the Gears franchise under under his wing and said you know this is the thing I want to just obsess over and really make my own but nonetheless here he is now I mean there's just so many directions to go in this conversation for one obviously Mikey Barra left Microsoft a couple months ago to go work at Blizzard now Rod Ferguson's going to Blizzard to oversee the Diablo franchise Mike we see what you're doing stop fucking poaching talent okay stay over there you abandon us on Xbox. You go over to Blizzard. Go be a fucking nerd. Go jerk off at the Overwatch porn with the girl with nerdy glasses that looks like a chicken robot. Go do that bullshit. Go cater to the fucking nerdy PC market and leave our precious Xbox team alone, okay? Goddamn. Like, that's... that's that's reason number one, and this is something I hope we don't see continue this trend of, you know, good talent and Microsoft being poached to go over to the dark side of PC gaming. So let's all, you know, fingers crossed that this is the one and only, but regardless, even if this is to be the, the one and only loss, this is a massive blow. This is, this is, I mean, easily the biggest blow since what, like Josh Holmes leaving 343 Industries back in 2016, shortly after, you know, Halo 5 launched. And, and then, you know, getting on that train of thought led me to think about, like, you know, isn't this kind of like indicative of what Microsoft's done with their studios where Microsoft's in this interesting situation that I, I want to say is unique to them, but maybe not exactly because Sony, for example, is like famously like, okay, you know, these are our studios we own, make the games you want to make. Obviously you have to pitch them to us, but we're, we're not going to let you just make anything. But for the most part, we're going to give you a lot of creative free reign. And it's why, you know, I remember in the PS2 days, you looked at like a studio like Insomniac or Naughty Dog, and you're like, why isn't Naughty Dog making Crash Bandicoot? Why did they sell that to Universal? Why did they just start making Jack and Daxter? And then I was like, okay, why did they stop making Jack and Daxter? Now they're making Uncharted. It's like PlayStation didn't... I think there was this precedent sent from Nintendo where it's like Naughty Dog made... Crash Bandicoot, Insomniac made Spyro the Dragon, and they were popular games, and we just expected them to stick with these franchises, but Sony actually gave them the creative freedom to be like, hey, do whatever you want to make, make what you want to make, and then I think Naughty Dog is the perfect success story, the perfect example of this story, where it's like, you know, no one wanted them to stop making Crash Bandicoot, but they did, and they, and they sold the franchise, they sold the IP to Universal, and then they went on to make Jack and Daxter, and then Jack and Daxter evolved and matured a lot throughout its series, and then they moved on from it, and they decided to make Uncharted, and then Uncharted was like, uh, like you can't compare Uncharted to to Crash Bandicoot. It's just like holy shit, you know. It's like this is such a massive mature leap forward. This is like this is obviously developers who wanted to make a fun game when they were younger, who matured and wanted to 
tell compelling stories and really push the medium forward. And that's what you get with Uncharted. And then it's like, okay, well, you can make the Uncharted the, the argument that even though Uncharted is just a just a you know kind of thriller pulp you know action game with a good story that doesn't mean it really moves gaming forward because it doesn't really tell that compelling of a story when you're when it's like essentially the indiana jones equivalent of a video game and then it's like okay well then how about the last of us which is even more of like an emotional and mature and just thematically and intellectual kind of game for someone to make it's such a massive departure from the things historically that naughty dog had made and i think this is a long-winded but really important way of saying you know sony's provided the creative freedom for their developers to explore the medium make what they want to make and leave things behind even when it seems like you know but this thing was so good and this is what you guys were made to do you know it would have been so hard for us in 2001 to be like oh naughty dog making a game like the last of us that that can't happen but they did it and it was because they were given the freedom to just do something else but you know nintendo and microsoft kind of have a different approach and with nintendo it's a little more vague because one thing people never bring up about nintendo is that there are different studios at nintendo nintendo has weird names from there's like r and d1 and just all these different random ass letters and numbers they used to name most of their studios but like there are teams that just focus on mario games and teams that just focus on zelda games and things like that teams that just focus on animal crossing what have you um but no one ever really gets onto nintendo for the fact that it's like i i think what makes it different for microsoft is microsoft names and really identifies their studios so at microsoft you feel you see this weird like combination of what sony and nintendo do where it's like the coalition is a very obvious singular defined studio and all they make is gears of war the 343 industries, all they do is Halo. In turn 10, all they do is Forza Motorsports. Playground games, all they do is Forza Horizon, although apparently now they're doing Fable. But you get the idea where it's just like maybe what, you know, things like Rod Ferguson leaving the coalition say, aside from the fact that this is just normal in the video games industry, where people are leaving studios left and right, constantly moving on from project to project, and that's just always been the case in this industry. It's it's also just like we look at a, a studio like 343 or we look at the people responsible for a franchise like Halo, which of course you know no duh it's Bungie and we just go like how could you ever want to leave this behind and that's why that's how you get things like 343 I think that's why I have such a soft spot for 343 it's like the video game studio equivalent of like my teenage emotions where it's just like how can you ever like how can you ever walk away from what once was this thing that, you know, isn't as great as it used to be, or at least in the, in the mainstream consciousness, but you know, it once meant so much and it, there's just so much emotional value in it. How could you leave halo behind and go make destiny, you know, you know? and, and three, four, three is the studio that like, kind of like uh, that kind of mentality and, ma- and mantra is like their anthem, so to speak, where it's just like, yeah, halo is so great that it doesn't matter if, if the public outgrows halo and says, you know, halo is still good. It can sell well, it can do well critically, but halo, Seven's never going to be as good as Halo 3 because Halo is a thing from a time and place and Bungie was right to mature and go make something new regardless of what you think of it, you know? And and 343 and the Coalition are kind of like indicative of like the few that stayed behind and said, no, this this franchise, this property, this thing, it, it just means so much more than just than just, you know, making it and then when it was time to move on, move on. It's like, this thing can live on and breathe forever. Now, of course, from the perspective of Microsoft, you can look at this as just like, they see Gears of War and Halo as cash cows, and so why wouldn't they make dedicated studios to these franchises that make them the most money? No doubt. But I I don't know, to me, it's like, it just kind of brings up this thought and this argument of like, is it really reasonable and mature of Microsoft to allow these studios, these studios that cost millions of dollars to operate and to own and maintain just so they can be dedicated to one single IP. I mean, no doubt Halo four and five are some of my favorite video games of all time. I don't give a shit what people say about two and three being the best. I don't care. Three is actually my favorite, but two in particular, so overrated. It's a fantastic game, but Halo four is better than Halo two. Halo five is better than Halo two. Halo got progressively better. I feel the same way about Gears of War. Uh, Four and five are my favorite Gears of War games. The coalition has done a fantastic job with Gears of War, but that being my opinion can't distract from the fact that Gears 5 didn't sell or light the world on fire the way Gears 2 did or Gears 1 did. You know, Halo 5 didn't sell and light the world on fire the way Halo 2 and Halo 3 did. And no matter how much I love and respect these studios and these games, that can never change because the fact of the matter is that these franchises are from a place in time. And even though, yes, what Microsoft has proven is that these franchises can still be commercially and financially viable, they've also proven that in some way they've kind of overstayed their welcome. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting by any means that Microsoft should shut down the coalition, stop making Gears of War games or Halo games or anything. No, not at all. But there is just something that's just from an outsider perspective, it must look kind of pathetic when it's just like, wow, you can't even hang on to your core talent or like, 
I can't believe, you know, they're just still, you know, Microsoft's still over here making Gears of War, making Halo. It's like, look at what Sony's doing. Ghost of Tsushima, Days Gone, The Last of Us Part Two, Bloodborne, all these, all these PlayStation games, of course, Bloodborne, not first party developed, but you get the idea. All these games that just really push forward the medium and really get all the attention um, for better or for worse, because I, I think Microsoft's games are just as good in different ways. And and then you look at the Microsoft side, and it's like, well, what are they doing? It's like, oh, another Halo? Oh, another Gears of War? And it's like, you know, to someone like me, I'm totally happy with another Halo, another Gears of War. I think they're some of the best games I've played in recent years. But, you know, I think f- to the general audience, it's just like, wow, you're still making Halo. And you got to think from the perspective of the team at the Coalition, that's got to be somewhat discouraging, you know, when you put your all into making a Gears 5. And then someone like me, sure, I play it. I'm like, yes, Gears 5, this is fantastic. Best Gears of War game ever. But, you know, the general public's just like, ah, oh, man, Gears of War? I'm not going to play a fifth Gears of War. And like that, that's something I did 10 years ago with my friends when we were in high school, you know? And it's just it's just a different story, a different time. And, and it makes me wonder if, if people like Rod Ferguson you know, they, they see the audience react that way. They, and they can kind of feel it, you know, even if he's so, even like people like him, if, if he's so ingrained in, in the culture of the coalition and the Gears of War franchise, you still have to be self-aware of that to some extent that, you know, no matter how good you think Gears of War 5 is, no matter how good you, this team thinks they did uh, job-wise on, on Gears 5, you got to be aware that the public doesn't give a shit about Gears 5 the way they cared about Gears 2 or 1. And, this franchise is just, in the public's perception, kind of a, a shell of what it used to be. And and again, to preface, like that's not my perspective personally, but that's how I see other people kind of perceiving this franchise. And it's just kind of sad to see it that way. And it really makes you wonder, is it really wise for Microsoft to be doubling, tripling down so hard on these franchises and these studios that are dedicated to these singular franchises when... Really, the mainstream consciousness is just like, hey, move on. Be like Naughty Dog. Go make your Uncharted. Go make your Last of Us. And I think that's what's so enticing and interesting about studios like The Initiative, which, you know, they haven't even put out a game yet. We don't even have a trailer for them yet. In fact, Phil Spencer just tweeted out earlier about how he went to the studio and played, you know, whatever the hell it is they're working on. We don't know. But, you know, that's so enticing because it's a studio that draws so much famous talent from the industry. And all we know is that they're making something different. It's, you know, they use the buzzword quadruple A, whatever that means. But a triple A, it's a very high quality, you know, first party game. And and all they're touting is that it's something different, high quality and different. And that's so exciting for Xbox because it's, it's something we don't get a lot. You can talk about, you know, the acquisitions of studios like Ninja Theory and, and studios like, uh, I, you know, just like Double Fine and all this stuff. But it's like... It's awesome to have these studios on board, and no doubt are they going to make fantastic games. But at the end of the day, I think the audiences, I think the market is always going to look and kind of eye over at what like PlayStation's doing and be like, yeah, but even though Double Fine's great and people love Psychonauts and all these games they've made, it's like, come on, they're not, they're not Naughty Dog good. They're not Insomniac good. And even though you may personally think otherwise, it's just the quality of games, the scale of games, the impact their games have made is just undoubtedly you know, it tells a different story when you compare what these, what these Sony studios do. And I just think, I don't know, I, I, I've gotten so far away from the story at this point, but this, this is one of those stories where like, I was just so taken aback by Rod Ferguson's departure that it really triggered like this whole spider web and chain reaction of thoughts in my head where it's like, you, you gotta be honest, you know, I'm a massive Xbox fan. I'm unabashedly a massive fan of Xbox and I don't give a shit if someone calls me a fanboy because my allegiance or my preference in gaming isn't something that's like so, you know, t- telling about me as a person that like I'm embarrassed for people to know or that I think it like makes me a better or worse person overall it's like I don't I don't don't care but I I am I will honestly tell you yeah I'm I massively prefer I have a total bias towards Xbox over Nintendo over PC over PlayStation but I like all brands don't play games wherever good games go you know that's why I own a PlayStation but I I think I would be totally lying if I just sat here you know touting how great Gears 5 is and how great Halo 5 is and how great Xbox game studios are and then just totally forget the fact or neglect the fact that, you know, these games don't resonate with the way of modern audiences that they once did. And these studios and these franchises just don't have the clout that they that once existed around them. And that's and there's a reason for that. And we have to talk about it. And we have to wonder, like, why would someone like Rod Ferguson, who seems so, you know, dedicated to Gears of War for life, how could they leave and, of all things, go to work on Diablo, a franchise that's been around longer than Gears of War, but a franchise that probably has 
you know, a longer, more, that probably has more respect than Gears of War 5. Something that, its level of respect and its, 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 um, its admiration overall in the industry has probably aged better than Gears 5, or Gears of War, rather. And, you know, I'm not sure what the reason for that is, but I think, I think, if you have any vague concept of what I'm trying to get get at, and I don't even know if I have a vague concept of what I'm trying to get at, I think you know what I'm talking about because you can feel the tone and the way people think and feel about these about these franchises and these studios and these brands, and it's a it's a palpable thing. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. It, you can feel you can understand the undertones when you hear the way people talk, whether it be Sony fans about Xbox or Xbox fans about Sony or vice versa, or just people talking about their respective brands they love or just games in general. There there are these kinds of arbitrary tiers of something where it's like for whatever reason halo doesn't resonate with mainstream audiences the way it once did but something that even older than halo like warcraft another you know another blizzard owned property somehow ages better and has more respect overall although i guess that's kind of a bad example because right now people are really upset about that that warcraft 3 remake but you get the point i'm gonna wrap this story up because it's absurd how long i've been going on it but this uh this is a massive news story and it's a massive blow to the coalition and while i don't want to give rod ferguson all the credit for the success the coalition has had because it's a massive studio comprised of many people who've put very hard work into into making these fantastic games uh, this is, I mean, this is their visionaire. This is their, this is their leader. This is their head. And, and losing that is a, is a massive blow, regardless of whether or not it's just one person. I don't know. I'm, I'll be really interested, interested to see who takes the mantle from here and where the go- coalition goes and how this affects the future of the Gears franchise. Um, it's just, it's just a crazy news story. And I don't even know if this is like a proper analysis of this story, but it, my head's going in a bunch of places just reading it because that's just, that's just a big one. I don't know what to say otherwise. Uh, but let's move on. Let's try to ramble a little less and, and just talk some general news and not get all on my uh, my fucking pedestal, even though that's whatever, even though it's what my podcast is all about. It's about me having a platform to tell you to shut up and listen to me. Next story. This is another another big one, actually. So another big one that happened today. But yeah, so Phil Spencer has commented kind of regarding who their main competitors are. And this is just such an interesting article. So I'll just read it again directly from IGN because I, di- I didn't really have time to write the notes down. It was time to record the show. So yeah, the, the article reads, A new console generation is almost here, but even though there are flashes of the old console rivalry with the imminent release of Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, Xbox Phil Spencer says he's more worried about Amazon and Google. In an interview with Protocol, Spencer explained how Xbox and Microsoft, quote, see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward, end quote. This is because those tech companies both have top-end global cloud infrastructure, which Microsoft also has thanks to Apple. Azure. Quote, I don't want to be in a fight over format wars with Nintendo and Sony while Amazon and Google are focusing on how to get gaming to 7 7 billion people around the world. Ultimately, that's the goal, end quote. Cloud infrastructure is a multi-billion dollar industry led by companies like Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, and Microsoft Azure. Although cloud technology is used for a variety of different services, like web hosting, the technology has been incorporated into gaming as well. Google Stadia uses Google's cloud technology uh, to stream games to homes, as does Xbox's Project X Cloud with Azure. In 2019, Microsoft and Sony announced a joint agreement that would allow the two companies to work together to develop, quote, future cloud solutions in Microsoft Azure to support the their respective game and content streaming services, end quote. The agreement could pave the way for Sony to use Microsoft's Azure data centers to provide its streaming services. There are rumors that Nintendo is also looking into work with Microsoft's Azure on streaming. While Sony and Microsoft are considering the imminent launch of each other's company's console, of each other com- of each other company's console. As Sony says, when the company recently talked about pricing for the PS5, it appears Microsoft is looking beyond hardware and sees cloud service as a new battleground. Quote, this is not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position, says Spencer. I guess they could try to recreate Azure, but we've invested tens of billions of dollars in cloud over the years, end quote. So this is another really big one. This is one of those, again, perfect example of Phil Spencer just being a really direct, straightforward, honest guy and really just straight shooting, which is very, very uh, appreciated in this industry or in any industry where people are just constantly speaking in fucking tongues, trying to be vague for the sake of being vague. But nonetheless, um, so this is a massive one because I, I want to walk this back a second. I don't know if you'll remember this, but maybe five plus years ago, Nintendo came out. I don't know if this was Reggie fils or who, but someone from Nintendo came out and said, you know, Nintendo isn't really out there 
isn't out there competing with Microsoft and Sony. In fact, they don't see Nintendo's console, Nintendo's hardware as a competition with Xbox and PlayStation directly, but rather with just entertainment. Like Nintendo is out there to compete with Xbox and Sony uh, or Microsoft and Sony about as much as they're out there to compete with, you know, DreamWorks Pictures making a new movie or fucking Ninja Turtle toys, whatever it is, whatever kind of iPad, you know, whatever it is out there that is drawing the attention of kids and gamers and entertainment in general, that is Nintendo's competition. And that seemed like one of those more like vague, like bullshit, we don't want to admit we're losing because this was a comment they made in the Wii U era when Nintendo was really struggling. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's an important quote to remember because what Microsoft's saying here in a lot of ways kind of echoes that sentiment. Although I think, you know, again, this might be the Xbox fanboy me coming out or I just think Microsoft has a lot more ground to be speaking on this. This doesn't come from a loser perspective. This comes from playing a different game perspective. And But I think... What Microsoft's saying here is kind of echoing what Nintendo said, but in a in a more substantial and kind of grounded light or more justifiable light in that Microsoft really, I mean, if anything, the moves they've made in the past two years are really indicative of this. And that's really doubling down and really working on getting xCloud to market because cloud cloud gaming is the future, whether you like it or not. And then, you know, getting Xbox away from this idea of a physical piece of hardware and more into the the kind of fluid nature of being a brand that can exist on any platform, uh, less so due to the hardware and more so due to the services that comprise or make up Xbox. And I think that's so important because that's really all this says when you when you really break down what, what Spencer's getting at. He's saying, hey, Sony is still looking at the game as, as this whole, like, you make a PlayStation console, you make a bunch of games for the console, you attract third-party attention, and gamers buy it because they want to play good games on good hardware. And yeah, that's great, and that's worked for years and years, but this is Microsoft saying, hey, that's not that's not the future of gaming. And the more cloud, cloud infrastructure continues to develop and evolve, the more we're going to be able to just take, you know, any kid in some country in any fucking continent in the world and just say, hey, here's your goddamn smartphone. All of a sudden, you can play literally any game because cloud streaming and because it's awesome and because the technology has gotten there. And while, yeah, of course you can argue, you know, we're in its early phase and, and cloud streaming for gaming is just kind of shitty right now or it's just not up to snuff with, of course, you know, traditional gaming. There's no denying that it's getting really good. And as someone who's played Project X Cloud extensively, I can confirm it's getting very good. And it's only going to get better and better. And Microsoft's Azure Cloud solution is like absurdly good. It's it's I mean, a lot of companies default to it. In fact, the US military <laughs> uses it. And and there's a reason for it. It's because Microsoft has really fucking invested the time and money and has built like the the premier cloud solution. And and the reason why it's so important for them to not see Sony as their competitor is because the people who who have done similar things and, and gotten to similar places are Google and Amazon. And of course, you know, while especially companies like Amazon have used it in, in different means and in different ways, that's not to say that Amazon can't decide to get into gaming. In fact, Amazon has gotten into gaming into a capacity. They have their own game development studio. I don't really remember what they're called, but that, that they formed that a couple of years ago and they've been working on something quietly for a long time. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, if Sony isn't investing, as Phil Spencer says at the end of this quote, you know, tens of billions of dollars into cloud solutions, then, you know, Sony's not going to be super competitive in 20 years when we're all used to streaming video games and no one's thinking about, you know, the next generation of PlayStation again. And so it's one of those like, it's like, you know, kill or be killed kind of things where it's like Microsoft is willing to murder our, our, our dated perception of what Xbox is in order to make the brand survive in the 21st century. And, and, and obviously that's weird thing to say because obviously Xbox has always been a 21st century brand, but you get, you get the point. It's evolving and Microsoft sees the the forest through the trees. And, and this is one of those things where it's like Microsoft only has the advantage. And I'm not just saying this because I'm an Xbox fan. It's because Xbox has the advantage because they're Microsoft. Because Microsoft is so ahead of the curve and they're so good with with services and software and they've invested so much in cloud solution in cloud technology they're able to be better at than Nintendo and Sony at this. I mean, poor Nintendo, they don't stand a chance. Nintendo's a toy company, you know? Nintendo has always made, like, 
it, like compared to you know look at their parent companies nintendo's parent company is nintendo sony's uh, playstation's parent company is sony microsoft or xbox's parent company is microsoft microsoft dwarfs sony and nintendo in every way when it comes to you know profit profitability and in in name and all that kind of that kind of clout so even though the xbox brand isn't as big as nintendo switch or fucking playstation 4 or whatever it's like hey microsoft as a company knows a lot more about what's going on behind the scenes with you know with services and, and cloud technology and just all this shit that especially a company like nintendo has like no prayer of a chance at competing in you know they just they just don't have the opportunity that's not an option for them and sony's kind of in a similar boat well like yes yeah, sony's done a lot of other things they've 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 made so many products they've always worked in technology you know they do computers phones sound systems fucking they're making a, an electric car that we just saw at CES. Whatever. Sony's done so much shit, but they're not Microsoft big. They don't have Microsoft money. And this is just one of those things where it's like Xbox is able to benefit because their parent company really has a grip on the technology that's going to propel gaming brands into the future. And so this is just, I don't know. This is one of those things where it's like it's really smart for Xbox to see Google and Amazon as the threat because even though, you know, like Google Stadia sucks, we all know, ha, ha, ha. Google has way more of a cloud infrastructure than Sony does, than Nintendo does, and they have way more of a chance of reaching all those hard-to-get-to markets in you know, different countries in Asia and Africa and these places where people aren't traditionally playing games. So, you know, in, in 20 years, yeah, we can keep focusing on the next box of, you know, next generation hardware and, and all that and continue to think about games in an antiquated way like that. But if Microsoft continues to play the game the way PlayStation is, then they're just going to end up obsolete when Amazon or, or Google or someone says, hey, we'll look at all these years of research and, and infrastructure that we built around cloud technology. We're just going to make streaming games super amazing, super affordable, super accessible, super easy for absolutely everyone. And then we're going to make every brand of console gaming irrelevant, whether it be Xbox, Nintendo, Sony, whatever, you know, because it's just so easy to do that. And so Xbox is really ahead of the curve in in doing this. And they're the only one that's in this incredible position because they're kind of in between, you know, like a Sony and a, and a Google where it's like, well, we're already we already have one foot in all the cloud technology and the services and the, and the software development, while we also have another foot in gaming. And we've been there for 15, 20 years now. And, you know, Sony's really hardcore on one side of that argument and Google's really hardcore on another side of that situation where, you know, only Microsoft's to benefit from this and that's why we saw things like last year when microsoft joined forces with sony to continue to like explore cloud solutions for playstation and, and, and sony's endeavors because microsoft can look at them and be like hey i mean i mean just for if you need a better example of this look at playstation network you know you can say what you want about how playstation is a superior console and has the better games whatever playstation network sucks PlayStation Network has always sucked, and I don't know that PlayStation Network will ever not suck. PlayStation Plus, um, not PlayStation Plus, rather, but PlayStation Network has just never been good. Every time I turn on my PlayStation, I absolutely hate myself because getting to the store is a bitch, playing games online is a bitch, getting the console to connect to the internet is a bitch. Sure, I'll give you that. God of War 2018 is an incredible game. The Last of Us is an incredible game, but guess what? At least when I turn on my Xbox, everything works, everything connects, all the services are awesome, and the store is easy to use and navigate because Microsoft knows services. They know uh, all these IT things that I can never wrap my tiny brain around, and Sony doesn't, and, they, and they've had so many years to get good at these things and get competitive, and they just haven't the way Microsoft has. I mean, people only now can change their names on PlayStation Network, and if you do try to change your name on PlayStation Network, there's been like tons of reports of people's like consoles completely shitting out and, and their achievements or their trophies and all these issues with their, their profiles just from changing their names on PlayStation. It's like, you don't see problems like that on Xbox, and this is just one of the many examples of how like sure we can talk about who has the better games and who has a cooler console and who did the better e3 presentation but like at the end of the day when when it comes time to start you know playing our games on our pcs phones and tablets because we're just streaming everything now microsoft's in a far better position than playstation and that's not trying to say one's better than the other that's trying to say this is something sony should be genuinely concerned about and that's i think why they were willing to join forces with microsoft and team up last year to explore this and kind of drive their cloud content streaming solutions because again it's like what are they going to do sony doesn't have the means to build something to compete with microsoft azure so they have to they have to they have to just fucking swallow their pride and join up because 
this is the future. This is it's it's Amazon, it's Google, it's these companies, it's these fucking California tech companies that are like absolute monoliths that want to own the world because they can. They can come in, you know, Google can come into China and play nice and and just fucking dominate if they will, and they absolutely will. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think this is. Phil Spencer speaking pretty boldly and pretty honestly, and I, I appreciate it. Um, but now that we're officially like at the end of the episode, and I've only gone over two two stories. We'll get into the rest of the week. This is now where um, we got into kind of the slower news week that we were supposed to have. So I appreciate you bearing with me through these very long, excruciating stories. But this is just some crazy news happening this week. So uh, I, I find it to be pretty interesting. Our next big story is that Dan Hauser, uh, co-founder of Rockstar Games, has announced he's leaving Rockstar in Take-Two Games. He is uh, He's the head writer, for those of you that don't know, on Bully, the Red Dead Redemption games, and of course, Grand Theft Auto. Hauser will be leaving the studio on March 11th. His brother and co-founder, Sam Hauser, will remain at Rockstar Games while working on future products as relayed by a spokesperson from Rockstar Games to IGN. Um, the Hauser brothers founded Rockstar Games Undertake 2 in 98. After working at B- BMG Interactive, the brothers together have written mostly every Rockstar game to date. Dan's most notable writing credits have been GTA 5, Bully, Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2, Max Payne 3. So this is uh, another massive story. In fact, this is going to be like the big story before Rod Ferguson decided he was leaving Gears of War to betray us all and go be with his new family. But this is one of those like... I don't know where this guy's going, and I'm not convinced that he's going to another studio and that he has a future in video games. There's a there's a good possibility that this guy is going to retire and he's just made his games and now life is his career is over because I, when when you work at Rockstar, when you are the guy responsible for Grand Theft Auto Five, I don't know that you can really go anywhere because you're as high as it can get. And now there's just, I mean, there's two options. You can retire or kill yourself at that point, basically, because Grand Theft Auto V has sold like crack. It's the best-selling game of the generation. It's it's incredibly well-received. People play it like crazy. It still sells amazing to this day. Everyone's playing GTA Online. It's just a massive, massive game. So when you leave a th- something like that, it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go make indie games now? I just, I don't. I don't see where you go from there. And this is also just big news because he and his brother have worked together at the studio for, you know, the entirety of of their notable work career. And it's just so amazing that he's now going to head out, you know, after taking this lengthy break, he took shortly after red dead redemption two came out. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I guess maybe he, he's took a step back and realized like the amount of work and the amount he's accomplished at the studio is like, it's, it's peaked in that he's just ready to throw in the mantle and, and call it quits while he's ahead. I have no idea, but it's just at this point, I don't really see where you go. I, I, I got to assume this guy's going to retire um, because there'd be nothing more strange than to find out in three months. You know, Dan Hauser forming new indie development team uh, dedicated to creating, you know, fucking 16 bit Metroidvanias that take place in weird Japanese fantasy settings like everyone else does. I just, I don't have any concept of where this guy's going to go from here and this is a massive story because this is a big blow to rockstar and to take two uh take two the publisher that maybe you know makes maybe the most profitable publisher that gets the least amount of attention everyone fixates on activision and ea but you know take two's over here bringing in all the money with like 2k and gta and red dead and all these games that sell like crack uh, but no one really talks about them. And this is just a massive blow to them because from here, I mean, you got to think they're working on a Grand Theft Auto 6. But without him, it's it's going to be a, a big undertaking to realize the game as massive and as, as large in scope as something like a Grand Theft Auto 5. So this will be a really interesting story to continue to watch unfold as, you know, Rockstar continues to obviously make games without Dan Hauser. Um, but unfortunately this is also one of those things where we're not going to really see the repercussions of him leaving for a very long, for a very long time because Red Dead Redemption 2 is only a year old at this point, and it takes Rockstar so long. They really, really take their time with their games, as they should. Um, and so it's it's going to be likely a very long time before we see whatever they're working on next and how um, Dan Hauser's departure affects that, that next project. But nonetheless, wishing Dan, of course, the very best, along with Rod Ferguson. Sorry to be so down on you, Rod, but you abandoned us, um, and and I can never forgive you. Um our next story here is that uh, we we think we might now know what that weird port on the back of the Xbox Series X is, uh, and the story, the report comes from Therat, and, and they basically um, leaks of the backside of the Xbox Series X have been, you know, while surfacing for weeks now. Um, many have divulged that the I/O, uh, uh, sorry, many have have speculated on whether or not that one 
un, um, undefined IO port was, you know, whether some kind of debug thing or if it's a new port that we're not aware of to, to refresh you, you know, there's, there's USB, there's HDMI, there's all those standard things, ethernet, but there is this one kind of like SD, super big SD card looking slot on the back that a lot of have speculated was for something debug or development related. Uh, but now thanks to this report from Therat, it appears that the long narrow port may be designed for storage expansion. The port is believed to be for an expandable CF express card, uh, which provides additional high-speed storage, uh, which would complement the onboard SSD on the console. Uh, so what makes it hard for this theory to be entirely accurate is that CF Express cards are extremely expensive. Right now, like 512 gigabyte cards go for about 600 bucks. So that's obviously out of the question for, you know, average consumers playing Xbox. But of course, the benefit being that it provides high-speed SSD-like kind of uh, read-write speeds, making it on par with uh, the what, what's already baked into the Xbox Series X and really playing to the strengths of the console, which SSD plays a huge role in this console's performance. Uh, while the technology is relatively new and unproven price-wise, this could be a really effective solution for adding storage as it would be really slip and easy um, and it wouldn't require all this external junk and it would still provide the fast speeds of an SSD um, while being in a small form factor. Um, but per, per, provided the technology becomes significantly less expensive and ch cheaper uh, very soon, um, this could be a great solution. But Or maybe Microsoft's working on their own kind of proprietary version of this that makes it more affordable, uh, although usually proprietary hardware ends up being more expensive. So I have no idea, you know, what they're planning to do with this. I like that in theory they're going to make this really, like, really fast, expandable storage car that you can just slip into the back of the console. Um, it makes it great for portability on the console. It makes it great for uh, discrete and visibility of the console but also this just seems like it's just something that's so high out so so out there because if these cards really are as expensive as like 600 bucks for half a terabyte then I can't imagine anyone being able to afford these now of course they're probably going to find some way to get cost down by the time we're using them on, on, on Xbox Series X but like oh my god to think that people are going to be spending a couple hundred dollars to expand their console by like half a terabyte is just going to be Mind-blowing. Um, so I, I don't know really to believe this one or not, but I, again, am so technologically inept that I feel like I have to relay this report into into kind of just let it be known that this is potentially what that board is for and that we may be using it after all. So who knows, but holy shit, I, I'm definitely not spending a couple hundred dollars to expand the storage on my Xbox Series X. Our next story comes from IGN, and this is kind of a PlayStation story that's relevant to Xbox, and it's that... Sony hasn't really fully decided on the price for the PS5 yet, and it seems that in part this is due to wanting to see how Xbox Series X is priced so they can kind of respond to it and see, you know, as well as a number of other factors. Um, and during their Q3 earnings call this week, uh, the company announced that PS4 had just had the lowest Christmas sales period, uh, selling only 6.1 million units during Christmas 2019 compared to the 8.1 million units they sold the Christmas season prior in 2018. Now, of course, 6.1 is still an impressive number, and that's that's really good profit for Sony, and everyone was down this past holiday season because the new generation coming up, so that's nothing to be surprised at. Uh, however, Chief Financial officer uh, Hiroki Totoki stated that he intends to ensure a quote smooth transition for Sony from PS4 to PS5 but he, when he was questioned on how he will do it he asked or he was asked about the costs Sony can control his answer while complicated uh, comes that Sony's um, price will be relative um, will be kind of dependent on Microsoft's move he says quote First, we must absolutely control the labor costs and personnel costs. It must be controlled, and it leads to what should be recognized as a cost. We will definitely control that and the initial ramp-up, how much we can prepare it. Initially, uh, we will work on this production and the sales, and we'll have to prepare the right volume as we launch this. Keep in mind, obviously, this is translated from Japanese, so it sounds a little off. Continuing, he says, What is not very clear or visible is it has become competing in this space. So it's very difficult to discuss anything about the price at this point in time time and depending upon the price level we may have to determine the prom the promotion that we are going to deploy and how much the cost um, we are prepared to pay so it's a question of balance and because it's a balancing act it's very difficult to say anything concrete at this point but when i said a smooth transition we mean that it definitely will choose uh, the optimal approach and that we will try to have the best balance so that we will be profitable in the life during the life of this product 
Um, so what that essentially means is Sony doesn't have a price for this console and that they're waiting to kind of hear whether publicly or from insiders what Microsoft is going to launch the Series X at so they can kind of have their part two of the PS4 uh, story where they can go. We're undercutting Microsoft. Fuck you. Our, our box is cheaper and better. Don't buy Xbox, which is understandable why they want to come from that position. But this is you got to understand this is a situation where PlayStation has absolutely everything to lose and Microsoft has nothing to lose because aside from Microsoft, you know, now taking this plunge into PC and cloud gaming and kind of putting Xbox everywhere and Game Pass and all these beneficial things that makes that kind of cements Xbox as more of a fluid brand. PlayStation is in this position where it's still mostly just the box and the games. And while, yeah, PlayStation 4 has done so incredibly well, it, we know how finicky gamers are. And we know that it's just a matter of like one one thing, one unsavory line that Sony says during E3. And then all of a sudden, P PlayStation can suck and Sony can be the worst. And every game they make is dumb and Xbox for life and Series X is the best thing. Because that's how gamers are. They're finicky like that. If they come out and if Ellie is is too PC if Ellie's too politically correct in The Last of Us Part 2 then all of a sudden Master Chief will be cool again and Xbox is the greatest thing and PlayStation was always dumb and we were only kind of joking about it being cool because that's how gamers operate and PlayStation's obviously acutely aware of that because if they fuck up the pricing of of the PS5 then it can be as simple as well hey Xbox Series X is super powerful and they're doing some great things and Game Pass is a great value and why do I need to get a PS5 if it's going to be more expensive and less friendly you know to all the services that my that other companies have offered and in just I don't know it's just one of those things where it can go very very wrong so I understand Sony's probably shaking because they have such a great thing on their hands with PlayStation 4 and regardless of how good it is console sales will and are Flowing and Microsoft will come up with the next console and Nintendo will continue to make stuff and PlayStation 4 can't be around forever. It has to be replaced eventually. And even though this console generation was, you know, going at a great pace and it seemed like it was kind of ending a little premature, I think we've gotten to the point now where it's like, okay, now things really are slowing down and now it really is time to start thinking about what's next. And um, so, I mean, this is this is just one of those things where PlayStation is in a position where they don't want to have a PS3 on their hands. They want to have a PS4 again. They want to sell 100 million units. They want everyone to love PlayStation and to favor them and to have the third-party deals. And this pricing determines so much of that, especially when really everything about Xbox and the kind of platform they've created is like objectively more gamer-centric and more gamer-friendly. The only advantage PlayStation having is really the kind of ecosystem of games they've created, which of course is nothing to sneeze at. It's it's very impressive and it's very important in 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 this determining factor. But it's also it's also just not I, I don't know. It's just the price matters so much. And when all you have are the games, which is of course the most important part, you can sway people the other way by by turning them off with a price, by not being friendly to the market, by not, you know, and I think both Microsoft and Sony have learned this very same lesson, both through the PS3 and the Xbox One respectively. Um, and that's one of the, the many things, aside from how consoles and console brands are becoming more fluid this generation, I think this is one of the most interesting things about the next generation is how acutely aware both Xbox and PlayStation are, Microsoft and Sony are about, you know, how to market a new console because they've both experienced great successes with like PS2, PS4, and Xbox 360, and they both experienced great failures with things like PS3 and, and Xbox One, although I wouldn't call either of those a failure. They both sold very well, especially the PS3, but still, I mean, I just think this is, this is, this is what, about what I expected from PlayStation was this very sneaky, like, Hey, we're just we're just playing back. We're we're hanging back. We're trying to learn as much about the competitor as we can before we really finalize it. But at this point, the consoles are so close to launch. There's really not much more room for Sony to make any additional adjustments. So sooner or later, they gotta they gotta tell us what's up with this. But. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. And now we'll just wrap up with some smaller stories for the week. Platinum Games has announced, or not announced, but rather they've kind of expressed some interest. If you haven't followed earlier this week, they launched a Kickstarter to bring their Wii U exclusive, The Wonderful 101, to PS4, Switch, and PC. Um, the game was like immediately funded. It did really well on Kickstarter, and so it's now coming to everything but Xbox One. But when asked about, you know, their canceled 
game Scalebound that was supposed to be for Xbox One. Um, Platinum Games Studio head uh, Atsushi Inaba ha- actually expressed interest interest in the canceled project. He said to Eurogamer Portugal uh, that quote the intellectual property belongs 100% to Microsoft. Whenever that happens with the project, we can't really do anything with it unless Microsoft leaves it us uh, but it is a game that we fall in love with and and love the opportunity uh if it arises it's something we would love to return to end quote and now of course Scalebound was supposed to come out or back in like 2017 but it kept getting delayed and it kept demoing really poorly and then microsoft shortly afterwards in 2017 just pulled the plug on the on the entire project and and this one's really interesting because the reason why I, I not so much interesting that Platinum would be interested in continuing Scalebound that doesn't surprise me so much. But what does surprise me is that Microsoft has really put themselves in this position now where they're a really like gamers brand. You know, gamers know that Microsoft is really friendly to the community and they they're really pro consumer and they do a lot of what seems like anti business moves to take care of the consumer and they're really good at kind of playing that card well. And so this seems like one of those things where it's like now the ball is kind of in Microsoft's court because Platinum's like, hey, if you give us the IP, we'll work on it. We'll make it. Even if it's third party, whatever, you know, we're interested in having that back. But now it's like the balls in Microsoft's court where they had to kind of be like good guy or bad guy and say, you know, they had to either ignore and pretend it didn't happen, which is likely what they're going to do. Or they could just give the IP to platinum and be like, you know, use this as another PR stunt where they're like, Hey, you know, we weren't going to do anything with, with scale bound, but you know, we're such good guys. We're so, we're so pro gamer. We just want everyone to have a good time that we're just going to give the IP to platinum and let them have it and do whatever the hell they want with it. And that would be a great optical move for Microsoft. But at the same time, it's something they own. And I understand it's one of those things like if you own it, why would you give it up? Even if you're not going to do anything with it, it's like you own it. So just hang on to it. It's yours. And I, I get that mentality, especially from a business perspective, but this is one of those things where it could actually potentially make Microsoft look a little bad to know that like platinum wants this IP and that they would give fans, you know, this game if they had the opportunity to. And there's so many people who are so salty that this game got like canceled. And then, you know, the only thing stopping them from ever really getting it would be Microsoft not wanting to relinquish the IP. I don't know. This is just one of those things. I think it's another opportunity for Microsoft to really make themselves look good. I think they should just give it to Platinum and be like, just do one of those like Phil Spencer Twitter things where he's just like, ah, yeah, scale bound. It's yours. I don't don't care about it. Go do what you want. Gamers, go be happy. Go play games. Go play Nintendo Switch. It's still X box because it's minecraft you know just one of those like pro gamer kind of moves i think that'd be really good for them but obviously i don't think that's what's going to happen uh, but nonetheless interesting to see that platinum would be interested in, in having this back especially now that they're more into self-publishing uh, and then just a couple quick ones to finish up compulsion games um, xbox studios 2018 acquired studio behind we happy few uh, is significantly ramping up its recruitment efforts for whatever its next game is the job posting appeared on linkedin uh, 11 job postings rather that vary across disciplines uh, but they're looking for senior writers producers senior level designers uh, several programmers and artists Uh, but what what this really means is that compulsion's gearing up and they're making they're making something bigger you know than what they've made before and this is in some ways kind of a duh move because compulsion's not that massive of a studio uh, and with the money and the backing of microsoft they can now grow and become a bigger studio make a bigger project but also when you really look at the jobs they're posting here is it's like they're definitely looking to make something more narrative driven they're looking for a lot of writing and storytellers and things like that and it looks like they're going to try to make something you know kind of really based on like the description for these job postings something kind of narrative driven something really emotionally driven and more of a perhaps like a single player um, big triple a game and so that's very very exciting because compulsion games is one of the weirder acquisitions from from microsoft um in that you know it's in that it's just like they they don't make they they don't have the track record a lot of their other newly acquired studios have they made one game before we happy few i always forget the name of it um but we happy few despite having a really impressive trailer that one year at e3 didn't really do all that well it's it kind of like came and went and no one really talked about it and it was in this weird like early access thing for so long that it never had a proper launch um but i i think there's a lot of potential in the studio and this was one of those studios that microsoft probably bought because they're like we see that you guys can make something great even though you haven't really proven it yet. And so I think this is one of the studios to be most on the lookout for because with, you know, with some more time and money in a larger studio, I think these guys can make something pretty incredible. And 
obviously they're gearing up to do something like that because if if these job postings are anything to go off of, then that's exactly what they're doing is they're ramping up their studio and they're gearing up to do something more narrative driven, more large scale than they've ever done before. And that's just plain old exciting. Um, So that's a little update on what Compulsion's up to. And that's going to do it for big news stories this week. Now we'll get into that not really news news section where we just do a couple of quick ones, some rapid fires. Um, This is why I mentioned Tomb Raider when I was talking about games I'm planning on playing and it's because uh game pass is of course you know from time to time they lose some games they're about to lose a couple of good ones so it's uh, it, sometime I, it doesn't really say but shadow of the tomb raider the jackpot the jackbox party pack 2 pumped bmx pro rage and disney epic mickey 2 the power of two are all leaving game pass soon i believe that means sometime in the month of, Fe- of february or after february but nonetheless these are a, a handful of some pretty good games most notably shadow of the tomb raider which was a great deal to have on game pass because it, it went into game pass after only being like seven or eight months old so i'm planning on playing that really soon because i haven't played it yet and i really want to get into it before it's gone from game pass because i don't want to buy it um, aside from that apex legends uh has revealed their season four which includes a new character there's a new trailer for it showing off all the new content but apex legends is huge i was really into it for a while and so if you uh, are an apex legends fans be sure to check out all the new content coming via apex legends including the new character uh, our next rapid fire is that fantasy star online 2 will be xbox one x enhanced and support 4k resolution when it comes out this is uh i only put this in here because i'm really excited about fantasy star 2 but i guess we already talked about this earlier in the show about the beta and how you can get in on it so i'm not going to really bug you on that but yeah that was the other big one is that the beta starts this friday february 7th and runs through saturday the 8th i believe it ends uh at the, on the morning of the 9th or something like that but Check out the Xbox Insider app if you want to download that or get into that beta. And then there will be a more proper beta next month in March before the game comes out. Rumored sometime in April, but probably sooner. Um, So that's going to do it for this week's news. Just a quick little rundown of what's coming to the Xbox store because this episode is running very long and I don't want to waste too much of your time. A big game coming out this week is Zombie Army 4 Dead War. This is the Zombie Army games, those zombie uh, fucking Left 4 Dead kind of board games where you move from safe house to safe house uh if you're into these kinds of games i highly recommend them they're so fantastic of course i haven't played four yet um but this franchise is really really good so i would be interested to see how this one turned out then we got the dark crystal age of resistance tactics which comes out february 4th that's some kind of like muppet game or some bullshit like that where you play as a uh, fucking voldemort from lord of the rings and then you got monster energy supercross the official video game three uh coming out february 4th this game's awesome i I'm definitely going to play this. It's a dirt bike game. I'm probably going to play it. Even though it is Xbox One X enhanced, I'm probably going to choose to play on my Nintendo Switch. Uh, It is sponsored by Monster Energy, so it's definitely a game you want to be fully energized to play because it's going to be a fucking awesome off-roading game. Uh, where you do cool stunts and then date hot redneck chicks. And the next game here is The Sims 4 Tiny Living. This is like The Sims, but for millennials, as if The Sims wasn't already appealing to millennials. And uh, so you're just going to play as a bunch of um, a di- diverse a diverse cast of characters, a, di- a diverse cast of characters that live in tiny spaces. Uh, they, they live, they drink a lot of coffee. They have tech jobs. Um, they, they identify themselves based on their sexual orientation and their gender and their color of skin rather than their actual things that make them a unique individual. And then they just, you know, they, uh, they, they, they sim around, they live around, they live in these tiny environments. So if you're really interested in living with this diverse cast of characters, drinking coffee, working at a, a indie startup in, in San Francisco and really making the most of your, of your, uh, 600 square foot apartment that sleeps seven people and, and costs, uh, $4,600 a month then this is going to be an awesome game to simulate that lifestyle sims 4 guys check it out our next game is called zero 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 and it is in black and white which means only old people will enjoy it our next game is called classic snake adventures it's it's literally snake so you've played it uh our next game is called seventh sector it is the seventh of all the sectors um so i wouldn't recommend it unless you played sectors one through six and then our next game is called monster uh viator which looks like literally some iPhone Japanese role-playing game that I can't recommend to anyone 
other than weeaboos like the people I was watching on TV this past week. Then we got Selma and the Wisp. It's like Selma and Louise, Thelma and Louise, Will Will the Wisps, Ori in the Blind Forest. It's a very good game. Rune Lord. It's like RuneScape, but now you're the Rune Lord. You got to match all the colors together and get the puzzles. It's a great iPhone game. And that's going to do it for this week's new games coming out. Be sure to play all of them as I highly recommend each and every one of them except for Zombie Army because that game's dumb. Our games with gold, if you needed a reminder for the entire month of February, you've got TT Isle of Man, which is an awesome simulator motorcycle game that I played for 10 minutes before I rage quit because I suck at it. We've got Call of Cthulhu, which is the second half of February through March 15th. So that's not out yet, you idiots. Stop, stop trying to download it. It's not free just yet. Stop paying $40 for it. Then we got Fable Heroes on the Xbox 360 side, backwards compatible, of course. Uh, it's only it's only available till February 15th, so download that. You only got about a week left. And then, of course, we got the OG Star Wars Battlefront through the second half of February. Uh, a beautiful OG Xbox game that is backwards compatible, of course, on the One and the 360 and all that good stuff because xbox is cool like that uh, and you can play all your games all over the place up and down the xbox family of consoles so that's going to do it for our, our show this week thank you so much for bearing with me i, I really thought this was going to be like a 40 minute short slow news week story but but episode but but here we are 110 minutes in thank you so much for listening guys and be sure you know i, I don't say this enough i really should probably pimp my channel out a little more if I ever want to grow this show but I am very impressed uh, very pleased very humbled that the show has somehow hit like 200 listeners a week I don't know who you people are or why you're listening to me but I greatly appreciate it be sure to comment on YouTube or comment on on I don't know what else you can comment on comment on YouTube so we can start talking about the show follow me on Twitter at pure aqua and then uh, be sure of course to subscribe to my YouTube channel second best gaming where you can listen to the podcast uh, on YouTube and comment and yell at people and downvote my video and tell me why I'm awful even though I'm just a stupid ass kid with some opinions that really don't affect the world in any way shape or form so you can calm your fucking you calm, slow your roll I'm not going to take your PlayStation away from you I'm not going to take your PC away from you I'm not here to ruin gaming for you I'm just here to tell you why Xbox is superior why Rod Ferguson's a traitor why my why my parents don't love me and most importantly Eric you're going to play me a really nice lullaby starting now. Oh.